0: So anyway, I'm excited to be here. My name is Jermaine. Again, I'm an associate pastor at our Sterling congregation. Any, any Sterlingites in the house tonight? All right, we here. All right. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to be here again. I, I have been here a couple times on stage, but never here in a room with people. So I've preached here twice during the, uh, during the past year and some change, but it's always been to an empty room, always to this little red dot in the back. And now there's actually people in the space. So I'm excited. I got some faith in the space. And so I'm from a small town in North Carolina, and uh, I grew up in a real southern Baptist church. And, uh, yeah, we got some, some people there. And so in my church, you know, we, we, we talked. We talked back. We talked back to the preacher. We said amen. We said hallelujah. We said that's good, sir. Stay on that. We might stand up and wave our hand. We might say, mm, that's good, Pastor. That's good, preacher." We might say, "Preach," something like that. Man, I'm not gonna hoop and holler. That's not in my nature. I'm a little too smooth for that. But, but I do, I do need, I do need some feedback tonight. All right. So here we are. Here we are. Um, and while I'm here, I, I do want to just give honor where honor is due. I mean, obviously, this is. A, a pulpit that is graced by our great Bishop, Bishop Brett, and so I just want to honor him. He's a great leader, a great pastor. Can we just give him a big round? He's not here tonight, but he'll he'll watch, and maybe I'll get a bonus or something like that. Um, but also, also my mother-in-law is in the building. She's visiting us this week, and my beautiful wife, Blythe, and my two kids, Kingston and Levi, are probably in kit builders tearing up the place, so pray for the kit builders workers while my kids are there. So we, we've been in a series on, uh, on coming alive, on revival, on awakening, on opening the gifts of God. And we've, we've kind of been in this, in this season, this very long season of, um, for some of us, it's been painful. For some of us, it's been uh, you know, a season of depression and anxiety and fear, and you don't know what's going to come next. You don't know what's going to come on the next day, and you're just trying to kind of get through to the next day. And so we have felt as there's been kind of an kind of opening of the blinds a little bit that as a, as a, a staff, as leaders, that, that God is doing something unique in this moment. As the blinds are beginning to open, God is saying, hey, I'm getting ready to breathe something on my people. I'm getting ready to breathe life into my congregation. I'm getting ready to, to open something up. I'm getting ready to kind of do something new and afresh in our life, getting to awaken them here in this space. And this is where we are, talking about coming alive. And I believe that tonight I am on assignment tonight. That's the preacher talk right there. I am on assignment tonight to speak not only to that end, but to call us to the freedom that God has for us in the spirit. Scripture says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. Come on. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is. There is freedom. There is liberty. Who the son sets free is indeed free in reality. We're talking about freedom. The son has come to do what set the captives. I'm not just talking about partial freedom tonight, family. I'm not talking about halfway freedom tonight. I'm not talking about 99.9% effective freedom. I'm talking about full freedom that is available to us. Now you may ask, why, Jermaine, why is this so important to you tonight? Because what God wants to do through us in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our community, is too big. For us to be encumbered by our bondage, to be held back by our sin, to be held down by our past. Family, hear me. Your calling is too great. The calling on your life is too big for you to be held down by your past. The mission that's on this church, the calling that God has for us to do to win the city is too big for us to just be okay. With with our past, with our insecurities, to be okay with our shame, to be okay with our guilt, and to never ever deal with it. And I feel like God tonight is saying we need to deal with it. And the Spirit is here to set us free tonight. So I titled this message as I walked into the building Free People. Look at your neighbor and say, "I'm a part of the free people." Ah, man, I don't know if I believe that. Maybe by the end of the message, you guys will say that with a little more emphasis tonight. Um, but we're going to look at a little brief snapshot in the book of Exodus, chapter 14, where where God has, as promised, He has broken the the uh, Israelites out of Egypt. He has brought them to a place where they are stuck, basically, between the Red Sea and their, their enemy that has been chasing them. And in this moment, God calls them to trust him, to see him move in power, and to bring them to a place of full freedom. And I believe what God does for them physically represents what God has done for us spiritually and what God wants to do for us spiritually. Yeah, so let's open up here Chapter 14, verses. We're going to read verses 10 through 15, but we're just going to walk through this passage tonight. Verse 10 says this When Pharaoh drew near, the people lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? If you didn't peep that, that's sarcasm. (laughs) What have you done to us? That's an accusation. In bringing us out of Egypt. Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. There's no one scripture that they said that. That's a lie or a slight misrepresentation of the truth. We don't have all of the the scripture to back that up. But what you you have seen here is sarcasm and accusation and a lie. He says, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not. I'm going to stop there for right now. So they they turn and they lash out to Moses in their fear with sarcasm, with accusation, and with a slight misrepresentation of reality. That's my soft word for saying it's a lie. And what I love about this is Moses does not address any one of these three things. This is a really good pastor, people. Because I can tell you, the Butner, North Carolina, Jermaine may have said a few other things before the pastor Jermaine came out to help them in their moment. But this—this this is another message for another time. We'll talk about that later. But in his pastoral and good and loving response, Moses turns and he addresses the real issue. They have been triggered. They have been triggered. This is a trauma response. For 430 years, they have been in slavery. And all they see now in this moment is their enslavers coming back. And what they're thinking about is all of the pain, all of the anguish, all of the beatings, all of the abuse, all of the mistreatment. And they're thinking two things. Either they're coming to take us back or they're going to kill us. And so Moses sees this. He sees that they're triggered. So he doesn't address it because it says it in verse 10 that they are afraid. And so Moses says to them something. But I'm not going to go there just yet. Stay with me. Because one of the major questions that I asked of this text was why God? God, why did you bring them to this place? You guys have read this before. They are being led by a cloud, by a pillar. By the Spirit, God is leading them, and they have now entered into this place where God has led them to an obstacle, the Red Sea, and their enemy behind them chasing them. And you may be like me, you're asking this question, God, why would you do this? God, why would you allow this to happen? Why would you break them out of Egypt to only lead them to this place where they're going to have to go back to Egypt? And the first time I looked at this, initially I was thinking that this point was going to be, don't look back. The Israelites should not have looked back. That's why they were afraid they looked back. Keep moving forward, don't look back. But if you read this passage, as I read it over and over and over again, The point is not, don't look back. God has divinely orchestrated this confrontation. This is a divinely orchestrated confrontation. And why has God orchestrated this confrontation? Because God wants to do something here. God wants to take care of this enemy once and for all. He doesn't want them to continue to run from this enemy forever because where he wants to take them, hear me, family, where he wants to take them, if he doesn't deal with this right here, this enemy is going to be chasing them forever. And what God wants to do through them and in the earth through them, he can't do if they're constantly being nipped at the heels by their enemy. By their bondage. Hear me, family. Today, that God wants to deal with some bondage today, once and for all. He wanted to. He wanted to do something here in this moment where he. He wanted to number one show them how powerful he is. All right, this is. He even says this in previous verses. He wants to show. Not only them how powerful he is, he wants to show the Egyptians how powerful he is, but he also wants to also gain the trust of the Israelites as well. And hear me, he wants to change their identity also. Again, 430 years, the only identity they knew was that they were property of Pharaoh. But God wanted to make them the people of his presence. Hear me. Property. Or person, right? You can only be one or the other. And there's no way that God wanted them to go into this promised land as property. He wanted them to go into the promised land knowing his power, knowing his presence, knowing that they are his people. Man, you can't serve two masters. Can't serve two masters. You can't serve your pain and also serve the purpose of God can't work. It won't work. And God wants to deal with it. And sometimes some of the uncomfortable things that come in our life that trigger raw emotions, where sometimes we just want to run and not deal with it, it's not the enemy. It's God orchestrating this to deal with some things because he wants to do something in our lives. I'll give you a quick story. I don't know if you're like me. I've, I've left. I've, uh, I've been on staff for about a couple years now. But before that, I worked a number of different jobs, and uh, I don't know if you've been like me, where you've left a job and thinking that, you know, this is just not the right fit for me, not necessarily super satisfied with this opportunity. There might be something better out there. (laughs) Nobody else, just me? Okay. (laughs) All right. So you left that job and you went to another opportunity, and maybe you just didn't like the people on the job. And so you left that job, and you went to another job, and you were saying, you know what? This environment just doesn't feel right to me. Ultimately, you leave that job, and you're saying, you know, I just, I just, and it's always, I just, I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with this opportunity. And I'm telling this story because this, this was me. For a season, this was me. I even left job and said, you know what? I'm going to work for myself. Then I left working for myself because I didn't like <laughs> working for myself. <laughs> and then I came on staff. So what I didn't realize was that every opportunity that, that what God was doing in those moments was that he was really, the uncomfortability that I was feeling was something that, that God was bringing to me to deal with. But every time I felt it, I ran away. Never dealt with it. So every job, I felt the same thing, just in a different way, but I kept running, never dealing with it. I came on staff. Oh, man, I entered into my call. There's no way that it's going to be like this on this job. I'm a pastor. Ha! Yeah. Immediately, you want to talk about the heat got turned up. God really wanted to deal with it. Why did God want to deal with it? Because what God wanted to do in me now was a little bit different. There were people that I was speaking into and leading. And there was something I think God wants to do in me in the future that he needed to deal with now because if I go into the future with this thing, I'm not even going to damage myself, but I'm going to damage other people. And what I realized in this moment through the help of all the great pastors that I I know, Pastor Brett, pretty harsh, um, and (laughs) Bishop Brett and Pastor Duke, um, was that there was a, a neediness it was in my soul. There was a need for me to be served. There was a need for me to have my needs met. And the, the more that I, I wanted to have my needs met, the less that I could actually meet the needs of others. The more that I wanted <laughs> to have my needs served, I could not serve the needs of others. And so what God wanted to do was do something in my heart because if I, if I were to leave this place and go and try to lead others, all I'm going to do is replicate myself. I'm going to have a bunch of leaders that are just needy and not serving one another. It's going to be a very toxic and bad situation. It's uncomfortable. You can ask all the people that I talk to about it. <laughs> Tears, pain, hurt. But I had to come face to face with this moment in my life. And what I'm saying to you, family, tonight is you... Need to come face to face with some things that God may be bringing up right now by his spirit that he may be triggering because the destiny and call that God has on your life is too big, it's too great for you not to deal with it. There's a, there's a passage in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. You guys know it. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, therefore, since we also have Such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Hear that passage well. Let us set aside all of the hindrances so that we can run the race that God has set out for us. Question is, can you enter and run the race without letting go of the hindrances? Like many of us, we just rather say, "You know what? I'll just, I'll just run, man. Just let me run and not let me deal with these issues. And let me just explain it like this, if I can. And if you fly, you guys fly, right? You guys know that when you when you take your bags on the plane and when you pack your bags, you you have a weight limit. Anybody know what the weight limit is? Yeah, right. It's 50 pounds. It's always a struggle in my house to get to 50 pounds, but 50 pounds is what it is. Now, can you, can you pack your bag and have the weight over 50 pounds and still get on the flight? That's the question. The answer is yes, right? The only thing that you have to do is what? Pay more money. Hear me. Can you go to the places that God wants you to go and carry the extra baggage the answer is yes, but it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. It's going to hurt you, right? Some of us are clapping, but some of us are saying, you know what, I'll just pay the extra cost, man. I don't want to deal with it. And most of us will say, hey, look, you know what, I'll pay the extra cost because I think I can't afford it. Hear me, hear me today. You can't. <laughs> very, very simply put, you can't. It's, it's one of those things where we, we think we are more full than we are, but as a matter of fact, we're holding on to so much that we are really, as far as spiritually, we are spiritually depleted, almost bankrupt, trying to borrow, really, more spirit from other people and, and steal from others. And ultimately, we are in debt and we are hurting And it is costing us. It is costing us. It is costing our families. It is costing us on our jobs. It is costing us with our kids. It is costing us in our relationships. It is costing us in our call family. It costs this church when the people aren't where they are supposed to be, dealing with the things they need to deal with so that they can be the people that God has called them to be. Can you afford it? No, you can't. You can't afford to keep running. And so this is what Moses says. Let me get back to what Moses says here. Uh, That was a long tangent. I'm sorry about that. So let me get back to what Moses said. Moses says, do not fear. This is what he says in the verse when he speaks to them in that moment. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. He's speaking directly to their, their response, their trauma. What he sees is their fear. And for, for some, of, some of us, it may not be fear. Some of us, some things may be coming to mind. I can talk about all the stories that God has dealt with in my life, and some of those have not been fear. It's been insecurity. For some of those, some of those things, it's been shame. For some, it's more practical. It's, it's my financial debt, right? It's, it's these things that, that come up that God is saying, you know what, I need you to deal with this. I need you to deal with this. And our first response is to run. But Moses speaks directly to their first response and says, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And so today, I don't know if it's insecurity, but I'm saying, do not be insecure. I don't know if it's shame. I'm saying, do not be in shame. We cast away the shame. We cast away the doubt. We cast away the fear. And we speak directly to it. And today we stand and we say, I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to be insecure anymore. I'm not going to be ashamed of that sin anymore. Hear me, family. This is today that we stand and we say, No more. No more. No more. And he speaks, Do not fear. And after Moses speaks to their initial response, he, he commands them. He says, Stand firm. Do not fear. Stand firm. Stand firm means to, to station oneself, to settle in, and to be anchored. And this is what it does not mean. It does not mean to stand still. Stand still is a physical position. Stand firm is a spiritual stance. Still is a position. Firm is a perspective. Still, position, firm, perspective. And he's saying, you know what? We're going to change your perspective today. So the Israelites were standing still. Because they were looking at the problem, and all they could see was the problem and the plan that the problem had. Anybody ever looked at their, their finances and been like, well, I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> and I don't know what to do, but I know that this collector has a, a plan. Anyway, maybe that's, maybe that's just me. Um, so they were standing still, looking at their problem, and they were forgetting how big their God was. We're not called to stand still like that, right? We're called to stand firm. Stand firm is when you face the problem, but you remember how big God is. Stand firm is when you remember and remind yourselves and your soul that your God is big. You remember that God is greater. You speak to your soul about all that God has done and you say, you know what? You remind yourself of the cross, you remind yourself of his resurrection. You remind yourself of that moment you got baptized. You remind yourself of when you were spirit-filled. You remind yourself that God is in you, that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. You remind yourself that God is big, that God is strong, that God is mighty, that he can handle this, that he can make a way out of no way. This is what it means to stand firm. We don't stand still, but we start to speak to our soul and stand firm and remind ourselves of who God is. We can't get caught standing still. We gotta stand firm. Here's a passage in Ephesians. You guys know it well. Ephesians 6 says it like this Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. And then it it talks about all the things you're supposed to put on, right? Take up the, uh, having fastened yourself with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. I could preach all day on this passage, but here is, here's the short end of this passage, family. It is a passage that speaks about facing the reality of spiritual battles, recognizing that we can't fight them naturally, strapping up with the truth about who God is and about the truth about ourselves, who He is, who we are, and then doing what. Does it tell us to go fight? You guys read this passage before? Yeah, yeah that's good. The arm of God, put it on. We read that passage and we are ready to fight. We are ready to battle. And we're like, take my sword and let's go stab someone with the truth. <laughs> but that's not what this passage is calling us to do. This passage is really about reorienting ourselves and putting on this armor of God. What that armor does is if you are, if you are an, an officer or if you are in uh, the military, when you put on your gear, I can't think of the word, uniform, when you put on your uniform, you look in the mirror, you automatically know at that moment that you, you are no longer just, you know, germane, if I were to put it on. Now I'm an officer. Now I'm someone different. I have a, a different role, different responsibility. It changes your identity. This is what it means to stand, to stand firm, to stand on God's word. It's not for us to go, to go out and fight. This is for us to get on our knees and pray and say, you know what, God, God's got this. That's why Moses says, stand firm and see what God's going to do. Stand firm and see what God is going to do. Standing firm is a change in our perspective, it's a change in our identity, and it's a change in how we fight. So if you read, we're going to continue because we run out of time. So if you read um, in verse 14, closely enough of Exodus here, Moses says, the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Uh, listen, I, this is not in, my, in my, my notes, but it's, I mean, Moses kind of snuck in a little holy shut up right there to the people. <laughs> Did he not? Uh, that was really good. Um, you know, the Lord's going to fight. You know, just, just stop talking. Just be quiet. <laughs> And then it doesn't say that that happened, but, but Moses obviously turns, turns to God in this moment. And I don't know if he repents, but he, he prays for, for help. And God says something specifically to Moses here. He says in verse 15, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Now I'm going to define what going forward means or moving forward. It's what he was saying was, pull up the tent pegs, they've, they've, they've made camp. So he's saying, hey, pull up the tent pegs. You are not made to settle here. It is time to move forward. That's That's <laughs> Man, this is good to me. All, now, now, although Moses knew that it, it wasn't, it's almost as if they, they almost maybe thought that this was the place that they were going to settle that this was going to be the place that God led us, and this is just kind of where we are going to be. This, is this the promised land? I don't know. And they were, family, just moments away from a breakthrough, <laughs> from this, this thing, and they were, they were settled in this place. And what I'm saying to, to us all, that some of us may have just kind of settled for just good enough this is just kind of how it's always going to be, right? That, you know, this obstacle is big, but I'm, it's, this obstacle is always going to be here, and my past is big, and my past is always going to be chasing me, and this fear I'm always going to feel, and this insecurity I'm always going to have, and this anxiety I'm always going to have, right? And we've kind of settled in this place that this is how it's always going to be. And God in this passage says, move forward. He says, Pick up your tent pegs. Don't settle here. Move forward. Now, what's interesting about this point is, I don't know if you picked up on this, but he says move forward before he actually parts the Red Sea. I had never actually really, I mean, I read my Bible a lot. I don't know if God's just kind of clouded my eyes from not seeing it, but it's just, it stood out to me so much that God was Saying, you know what? Move forward, but he hadn't yet done the big miracle yet. I mean, this was the big miracle. This is the one that they told all their kids about. This is the one that that you know they they wrote books about that, that this was part of their history that marked them as a people, a breakthrough, a revival. This is God doing something amazing that he had never done before, but before he did it, he told them a word. He gave them a command, and he says, move forward, move forward, instruction. Now, if you're like me, you're asking the same question. Move forward where, right? What, <laughs> where, where are they supposed to go, right? There is, there is a big ocean right here, right? And then there is my enemy behind me. And my, what I believe God is trying to show us in this passage and what Moses was writing for us, historically, so that we can look back and see, is that God told them to move forward before he parted the sea, but he still parted the sea. And what he wanted for us to see was that God delivered them after he told them to move forward. Now, I just want to make sure you you caught this, right? God told them to move forward, and God delivered. And what God wants us to see is that God delivered. So when God tells us to move, we will move and knowing that our God is a deliverer. Does yeah. 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 that make sense? Yeah. 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 We want God to deliver, but what God wants us to do yeah. is to know that he is a deliverer. Yeah. 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 Come on, family. Yeah. 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 And this is, this is what God wants to do for us today, is that he wants to remind us that the same God that delivered them Is the same God, the same God, yesterday, today, and forever. If God delivered them then, then God will deliver us now. And if God will deliver us now, then God will deliver us in the future. This is our God. He is a deliverer. And all God wants us to do in this moment is to do what? Move Move forward. Move forward. A lot of us are waiting for God to do something really, really big in our lives. We're waiting for God to move. We're waiting for a breakthrough. We're waiting for miracles. We're waiting for the sky to open and for God to come down and to speak and to tell us what to do. And I don't have a paper Bible with me, but if I did, it would be awesome. Thank you. No, that's okay. I'll use my own. Listen, if you had your Bible with you, this is, this is what God has already said. A lot of us want God to speak something really special, do something really awesome. And what God wants us to do is to obey what he's already said. We want breakthrough, and God wants us just to read through the Bible. Hear me? That was on the fly. That was pretty good. That was that tell us anointing right there, man. I appreciate that one. That was good. Um, but sometimes we want God to do something really amazing in our life. And this is important because right around the corner, in their obedience, God began to stir up the waters and began to open up the waters and begin to part the sea. It was the greatest moment in their lives. Breakthrough, revival. They worshiped on the other side of this. What a moment. And I don't know if he would have did it if they didn't move forward first. But what I'm saying today is for us on the, we are all kind of on the precipice of breakthrough in our lives. Spiritual revival, more of God, God breaking through, power of God displayed in our lives. And God's just saying, move forward, move forward. For some of us, it might just be relationally, we're looking for God to do something. And God is saying, you know, maybe it's just forgive. right? Maybe for some of us, it's a porn addiction. And what God is saying is, confess your sins. Calm down. Our God is faithful, right? Faithful to forgive. And there's freedom for you. You're going to need to move forward. You're going to need to move forward. For some of us, it's It's Again, I've hit on this a few times, but it's financial issues. And God is saying, you know what, maybe you should start tithing. (laughs) Maybe it's just not running away from your financial issues. Maybe, won't you open up your bank accounts, put them on a spreadsheet, and just kind of view them and make them playing so you know what you're working with. Lay them before some accountability. Moving forward. Sometimes a major breakthrough, simple obedience. Moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. Family, I feel like today is moving day. It's moving day for us today, and I don't know many of you. <laughs> Except for my sterling people in the crowd here. But I know that we are all dealing with things. I know for most of us, God even, is even bringing things up to your mind or to remembrance right now. Maybe it was what somebody has said to you one time. Maybe it was you know, your relationship with your father or your mother or a bad breakup. Maybe it's church hurt. I could keep going, but maybe it's a a sin pattern you can't get rid of. Maybe it's something you did in the past that you just can't shake. And you've been running from it. And what I'm saying today is that your calling is too great to continue to run. The purpose that God has in your life is too big. For you to continue to run away from this. Today, moving day. We're going to move forward in obedience. God's going to do something here in this place. You guys just stand with me right here in this place today. There's, there's freedom here today. Again, as I said before, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty today, family, there is, there is hope and deliverance. There's breakthrough. God is doing something here today. And I'm not just saying words. I really believe that God wants to do something. So can we do this in this place? Can we, can we lift our hands here? We Begin to ask God. God, help me here. God, you know what it is. You know what it is that I'm dealing with. You know what the, the, that sin is. You know what it, what it was that I'm, that I'm having trouble letting go of. You know this relationship that I'm having trouble letting go of. God, you know this issue that I'm dealing with. You know this pain that I'm dealing with, that I'm trying to run from. God, but right now, you said that you want to show up in power and do something. There's freedom here in this place today. Yes, there is. This is what we're not going to do. We're not going to run away in shame today again. We're not going to cower down to our insecurity. We're not going to fear. We're not going to be afraid of what somebody else might say. But today we're going to say, God is big. God is bigger. God, we, I want more of you. And I can't have more of you if I keep holding on to all of these things. So God, I open up myself today to more of your presence in this place. Holy Spirit, fill us here in this place. Holy Spirit, break through our barriers. Holy Spirit, knock down our walls. So we're asking God, make us new here in this place. Make us new in this place, Father. Make us new, Father.